So I didn't start it as, as a business. So my first idea wasn't like opening like a, a company or an import company, even though it was in the back of my mind. So I started training as a sommelier. So I bought my first book. I, I remember like I had like some money and I signed up for uh, wine, wine classes. And then working in restaurant, I could, you know, pour wine, talking, like speaking yeah, about Yeah, I wine. mean, you were working in the right environment, right? Because yes. you could, whatever, I guess, whatever you were learning in, in class, you could yeah. try it out, yeah. I guess, yeah. if you had it in yeah. the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then I remember I was, I was serving a table uh, and, um, and the guests say like, oh, what's your plan for the future? So you came from Italy, say, yeah, you know, like one day I would like to open an import company. And this lady, that I st I'm still in touch, she, she, actually, she actually lives here across from St. Clair. She said, oh, I have a guy for you, Domenico. He actually imports food. And he actually was mentioning that he wanted to start with wine. Vincenzo, welcome to Jamie. the Creative Spin Podcast, man. Thank it's you. been it's been a while. We've been talking and talking about, <laughs> you gotta go, you gotta go. I know. Months you know. go by, Christmas, New Year's. You know, I remember like, uh, you know when I when I came back to, when I came back to Toronto here and I saw you yeah. at karate and you said oh we're gonna do that and you were leaving I said yeah yeah we're gonna do it we're gonna do it we postponed too much and then the next time I saw you like we were training and I said yeah. okay listen let's do it on Monday and Tuesday we were like, wait wait give me a sec no it, it was funny when you said that I'm like in my mind I'm like my schedule okay let me think let me think yeah. but we were training we yeah, were training yeah. the, you just the moment. turned back and said we're doing it on Monday yeah, no no you know I want to keep my word we, we you know we want to do it we no but that was it. good that was good but listen we're here now we're having the conversation and uh, that's what matters you know thank you thank it's, what we were saying just before we, we officially started the recording, it's showing up. Sometimes yes. that's the most important thing. It's the hardest part, in my opinion, at least for myself. Yeah. You know, to keep no, your word, sure. to be accountable. We used that word before. And uh, because, because also like we live in a world that, you know, because we, want, we always want pleasure, we always want dopamine, we always want to be accepted by other person. So for example, if I tell you right now, tomorrow, I'm gonna pick you up from uh, from your house, and I'm gonna bring you to the best restaurant in the city. You're, you're gonna feel happy, right? Of and, course. And you're like, oh, so what's that mean? You awesome. picking me up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, this guy, this guy is great. This guy is the best. Yeah. You know. So I receive that feedback from you. Yeah. I, I tell you something nice, you feel good. You give me a feedback. Oh, you know that that you know you're the best man. And then, so we we get some pleasure for two seconds. Yeah. But then we don't keep our word. So it's it's almost like a time that we want pleasure exactly. insta instead of working on ourselves, working our relationship, working on our job to get like a, a delayed pleasure. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's so true. <laughs> you know, and like, it's right. So. But, uh, and it all comes down. That's what I was saying. Is like we need to really be accountable. I think that's. I think that's the one most important thing that lately I've noticed that a lot of people are putting that aside. Accountability is the one thing that is being put aside in society. And I feel like it's, a, it's an issue already. And if people continue not being accountable, it's going to be more and more of an issue because, you know, it's like you're saying, if, if you ask someone to be somewhere, you know, people aren't so accountable like they used to before. They don't care. Oh, I was busy. I couldn't go last minute. Da, 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 da. And that's where I think, you know, we need to uh, kind of shift back and, and be think, more accountable. Uh, right. I think also the, rela the relationship with the stress yeah. and this thing that we always want to feel comfortable. Yeah. So for example, I have a phone call with this client mm -hmm. uh, at 12 and then we start feeling stressed. We don't want to do it. We don't, we don't want to feel uncomfortable in the conversation, maybe because the topic or the subject, uh, it's hard. It's about money. It's about something that we, do, we don't want to talk about. Yeah. So we try to postpone. We try to cancel. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we don't want to go out of our comfort zone. Yeah. We want to feel confident and uh, the same in sport. You know, we were talking before, yeah. like, you know, we, we don't want to go sometimes to trade. I mean, let's say I don't want to go sometimes because I don't want to feel the stress yeah. about, okay, like I stopped for a month and then I go there, maybe, you know, the other people, my, my I was going to say my business partner, <laughs> my, my training partner is going to, is going to think that I suck, you know, or, yeah. uh, oh, if I go there, like I forgot the Kada, uh, maybe the instructor or uh, my, my partner uh, thinks that I, I forgot. And just for know. a little bit of contest yeah, here. But we 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 do uh, we're, we're sometimes partners as well in karate, but uh, you also do jujitsu. Yes, as well. You're uh, 
you're a martial artist in some of the, the, the how, how did you explain it to me? Ah, uh, yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I'm a martial artist every time I show up to training. <laughs> Showing up, that's, that's Showing up, yeah. You know, I'm training, to, <laughs> like in every aspect of my life. For example, I'm um, a good partner, you know, with my fiance. Uh, when I uh, show her support, when I'm, I'm patient, when uh, um, after a discussion of a uh, disagreement, you know, I fix the things before she leaves for example, like those yeah, are yeah, like yeah, yeah. small examples. And and now I started associating like the habit of training with an identity. So for example, I train because I'm a martial artist. I'm, you know, I'm patient because I'm a great partner. I, um, I, um, interesting. That, that, you know, like I like I'm, the way you're yeah. thinking there because yes. that, that keeps you accountable for being the best you can be yes. at whatever you're doing at the moment. Right. And uh, first, you know, and first with myself, Yeah. first of all, and then with my training partner, yeah. you know, be focused on what I'm doing, be aware, exactly. be aware of what I'm doing, what my training partner is doing, be aware of what the instructor, what the teacher is saying, how to perform the exercise, for example. So that that's for me is being a great training partner. Yeah. But in this case, in this in this period of my life, <laughs> I associated the good habit of training with my identity of being a martial artist, yeah. but I'm a martial artist every time I show up for training. And that's the most important you know? <laughs> part. With all of this, it's honestly, it's showing up, it's being there and it's paying attention really. And martial arts is one of the things that for me, and I think you're, you, you're in the same boat. When we're there, you need to be 100% focused. And that for me is one of, it's almost like, um, it is meditation in a way because you can't take your mind off of what you're doing. Either you're paying attention to what your sensei is telling you, or you're paying attention to what you're doing, either if you're doing it by yourself or if you have a partner. So for me, that is my kind of meditation because I don't, I'm not distracted with phones, with exactly. Exactly. nothing is distracting us. We're there, we have to pay 100% attention to what exactly. we're doing, right? It's almost freedom. It's it a, is. It's a liberation. It's those 45 from all the minutes an hour. Of life. You're like, oh, okay, <laughs> nothing else is going to bug me right no now. No notification, <laughs> no phone call. Exactly. You know, like you cannot check your phone. Yeah. So you're just performing the exercise. Yeah, it's true. It's, it can be like a form of meditation. It is definitely, a, 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 f I think for a lot of people, it must be a, a sense of meditation. But listen, we started yeah. talking about martial arts, but we need to introduce who Vincenzo is because I'm sure that <laughs> not many people know uh, your, your history. So tell us a little bit, like, where do you come from? What have you done? Give us like the, you know what they say, the origin story? The, 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 the origin the story. Context, the context. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like to consider myself, of course, like being Italian is a big part of my identity. Like, yeah. you know, speaking of which, speaking of identities, uh, I consider myself not only Italian, but Southern Italian. Okay. That because also because Italy is such a small country, but in a, such a small country, you find so many cultures, so mm -hmm. many identities, so many tradition. Uh, and also like being a very young country was just, you know, unified in uh, 1862. Yeah. And then before that were lots of small countries that were independent or under the influence of like big power. For example, Southern Italy has been under the influence of Spain for like more than 500 years. Mm, so okay. if you compare the, my tradition, uh, my culture, my cu the, the, the cuisine of my place compared to other regions of Italy, they are very different. Very different, right? Yeah. Even though like the, the modern, the modern history made, made us Italian, you know, like the thing about uh, unify a country you know, the struggles against other country. And then there were like two big wars that unified us. Yep. Then there was the school system that unified us, you know, like the same program taught to in every single yeah. school, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the television, the media, you know, yeah. like every single kid's like in a, in a region. Okay, but now I'm going off topic. <laughs> like we were talking about myself. Um, so, but what, what's, yeah. which town are you from then? Uh, so I come, I come from Bari. Okay. It's a city um, that, that you can find in uh, in Puglia, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, uh, we'll that's, that's we'll try to find it. Put a map here somewhere so that <laughs> yeah, we, we can locate like you. <laughs> so basically, it's it's very easy to explain. If you imagine that Italy has the shape of a boot, yes. like of a shoe, uh, I'm the heel. So Puglia is the heel of the boot. Okay. So All exactly right. So now, see, now we know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's easy to uh, to imagine, and uh, and also like Bari is just at the center, uh, southern Italy, as I was saying, and um, so that's the warmest part, right? One because of the warmest part. You're in the southern southern, southern part. Southern part. Yeah. Also, like is the easternmost. 
region of Italy. So it's just in front of Greece, in, in front of Croatia, in front of Albania. Yeah. And that influenced a lot yeah, our yeah, culture sure. and our traditions. Uh, but long story short, um, why I'm here? So I'm here also because of family history. Okay. Because my grandparents, after Second World War, they moved here. Oh, really? So maybe I, maybe I, <laughs> because we always like punch each other. We didn't yeah, have well, the chance. Well, this is the interesting <laughs> thing. I mean, we've known each other for years now, but we never really sat down like oh, this. Yeah, and, finally, finally. You know? Yeah, this is good. This is good. This feels good. Because <laughs> we're like, hey, how's it going? Let's go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, but right. now it's it's interesting to find these things out. So they came. Yes. Oh, so. so, yeah, you know, like imagine Italy after the Second World War. Yeah. Even though they had the economical boom, you know, like the first 10 years after the war were very hard. Uh, also like 90, 90% of the people were farmers. Yes. Or, um, you know, um, working with animals, basically. Um, well, back shepherds, then, back shepherds. then, I think it was yes. a lot. Yeah, like a lot, in, in lots uh, of European yeah. country. Like now we imagine like Europe as a romantic <laughs> place, like full of cafes and restaurants and cool stuff. Uh, but, you know, like uh, until Second World War for centuries, hundreds of years, the society was always the same. There were the farmers that were more than 90% of the population. Yeah. Uh, and then there were, uh, in Southern Italy, there were like a very, very small percentage of uh, like merchants and mm -hmm. um, professional figure, whatever. Uh, and then there were the, the nobility. Yes. <laughs> that's all, that's, that's all. It, yeah. Before the, industri the industrial times, right? The industrial revolution that actually in Southern Italy happened much, much after, much later compared to England or Northern Europe. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were farmers. Um, actually, my grandpa um, came from a farmer's family, but he was a tailor. Uh, so they moved here. Actually, he moved by, by himself uh, to the States. Wow. Uh, he was in New York, okay. New York City. Uh, and then like, I remember, I remember, no, I mean, I never met him to be honest because he had an accent before I, um, I was born. But people told me that uh, this cousin or this, this second great uncle went to pick, me, pick him up from the airport and he brought him straight to the factory. <laughs> yeah, it was like a carpet factory or something like that. So you know, no like, break. No break. Back to work. work. And he right was away. working seven, seven days a week, oh, all day, maybe like paid under the table, you know, like yeah, these yeah, and paper. Yeah. Like it was a, it was like a different situation. So what happened? So then they went back to Italy? No, was no, that? no. And then, and then actually he, he also had relatives here in Toronto. So from New York, to he Toronto. went there to, yeah, he came here to Toronto basically. And then he told my family to come here. I mean, he told my, my grandma and, you know, their okay. kids to come here. Anyways, now they're long story short. Uh, they were living around Danforth. Mm -hmm. um, then they lived here for 20 years. Um, then while visiting Italy, my grandpa had an accident and died. Oh. Yeah. So then my grandma didn't want to be here by, by herself. They moved back to Italy. Okay. Even though like my, my dad also like he wanted to stay here. Then he, he found a job with the NATO, mm. with the, with the army. And, uh, and he was, he was working as a translator with the NATO. So he was, uh, oh. he was working in Verona, Naples. And then he met my mom. Anyways. I came here. <laughs> <laughs> so came, you, you had roots came, I, here. Yes, there were some I, roots. There, there, yeah, there is a reason. There, okay, there's a reason. Okay. And also like in all the years, like when I was a kid, I used to come here all the time. Ah, like okay. I came here like five, six times during like Easter and summertime. But you were raised in, in uh, Italy. Italy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But okay. I came here like before moving here, I came at least a dozen of times. Okay. Um, like summertime, I did a couple. And of how did Christmas. you feel the difference of the of the country and of the culture and, yeah, and no, all was, of that? What so, did you feel? Um, you know, when I was visiting, it was this was like for us, for Italians, was America. Is yeah. you know, like we didn't even distinguish like between Canada and the states, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I when I came visit, we were uh, stopping in Toronto, then going to Washington, going to New York, going to Boston, going to Miami, Orlando, Disneyland. I remember. Yeah. Well, I, I had the chance, like you know, I was I was lucky because my dad, in all this bad luck of his life, you know, losing losing his dad, then moving back to Italy, to Southern Italy, but bringing ideas from Canada. It was the first real estate agent, was the first realtor of, um, of Bari in his city. Really? So we had, so like he made some business, he made some money. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we had the chance to travel, right? So is this where the business side of you, yeah. of your business side came out? Yeah, even my mom, she's very like a uh, business oriented. Okay. Um, so they always, uh, they never been employed by anybody else. 
they were really? always like an entrepreneur. They, so they invested. You had the entrepreneur bone in you. Yeah, probably. So uh, the business side of things. Yes. When did that actually start for you? So I came here 10 years ago. Okay. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to stay here. Why? Because I just planned to come here and stay three months. <laughs> just learning English. I mean, I'm still in the process. <laughs> so imagine, imagine like after three months, I was like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, like my proficiency, like my level of English, you know, I wasn't satisfied. So I said, I said, okay, I'm stay, I'm staying a little bit longer. And, yeah. I, and then I stayed until Christmas. It was June. So I stayed until September. No, I'm staying until Christmas. Then I got my papers because, you know, I, I was born uh, from a Canadian citizen. So I'm also a Canadian citizen. Yes. Then I found a job here and there. So the business. Trust me, I yes. understand that story so well yeah. because the same thing happened to me. I came for three months and it's been 23 years now. Okay. So there you go. You know, I came for three <laughs> months. It's already 10 years. And I think I'm going to say at least another 10 years. But uh, yeah, the business, uh, the business side of my life came much later. Okay. If I have to be honest, like, honestly, like the first two, three years, the first year was a little bit hard. I couldn't speak English very well. And also like I had a conception of myself that was very different compared to uh, nowadays. Mm-hmm. I wasn't believing like in myself that much because I always was thinking like, oh, you know, why people should trust me in uh, in that job position? Like I'm just an immigrant. I'm just, you know, like an Italian that just came here and they can, can mm. speak English properly. So I think. But do that, you think that has yeah. to do with uh, youth, with uh, age, or does that have to do with uh, uh, probably the um, the way we're brought up in Europe, which mm. is a little bit different mentality than it is here? But it's interesting you're saying that because your parents were yeah. entrepreneurs. So no, why I do think, you feel that that, that, yeah. that was happening? I think age was a factor. Okay. I think I was 25. I think I turned 25 when I was here. Yes. Yeah. And um, it was probably a factor, but it was it was more like a state of mind. It was mm-hmm. it was like my 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 choice, my uh, you know, like the decision that you take in the end are your your responsibility. So I I I, I, did, I didn't have like a very high self esteem, <laughs> you know, like I'm yeah. opening up, you know, like I'm no, being no, very for honest. Sure. Do you think that had to do with the language? A little bit. Okay, and I'm asking this because I had the same issue. Yeah. When I even though my English now I can go by and I pretend I'm, I know how to speak very well, but I, my, my first language is still Portuguese. When I got here, I was also a bit afraid to speak and to, to start, you know, getting myself involved in things because I never thought that my English was ever good enough. Like I would hear all these other people speak yes. English and I'm like, oh man, I can't speak that way. So I'd always stay in the corners and, yeah, you know. It happened to me as well. Yeah. But it was like actually a limit that I decided that imposed to myself. Yeah. Because this like we're in Toronto, like you, exactly. like you hear like old accent from all around the world. So I think, I think that's, that's not the problem. The problem was my, uh, it's mentally. you know, you know what? So I'm the same person. I, uh, I'm, I have the same personality. <laughs> I come from like the same family history, but sometimes I, I do this analogy. It's like the glasses that I was wearing. I was wearing glasses that made me see and observe the world like in a, in a dark shades, mm-hmm. like everything was darker, everything was scarce, everything was evil. Like people were evil, mm-hmm. like rich people were evil. Like I was, I was talking and thinking and behaving from a scarcity mindset. I think that was the problem. Yeah. Okay. First, because like I was, uh, almost like an academic when I was in Italy. I was, you know, like I had a master's degree in corporate law, like, you know, was studying, was traveling around the world in university. I didn't have any tangible uh, mastery, like uh, skills. Yeah. So I, and then also I didn't know what to do. So I, I it, it was weird because uh, it was an ambivalence, was um, uh, a duality. So I felt very liberated that I didn't have to do the things that I studied for that I didn't like it at all. So I realized yeah. that. So I felt very liberated. So, okay. So I realized that I could be anything I wanted. Yes. But at the same time, I didn't know what I wanted to be in a new country. And this is where, uh, you know, sometimes putting yourself into a position where you go into a new country at the same time, and I'm kind of speaking from experience, it, it allows you to open up and try new things because at the same time, you don't have that pressure from probably the family or yes, probably exactly. the friends or because living in Europe and I, I haven't been to, to Italy yet. 
but I'm pretty sure it's almost the same as Portugal. It, there is still in every city, in every town, the small town mentality, right? Everybody knows each other, everybody's family, everybody's friends. Yeah. And that, that is pressure. <laughs> That's sometimes coming to a new country. You're like, okay, I, I can reinvent myself. Yes. And I can be yeah. someone not different that I, or not that you're not, but a different side of you mm-hmm. that is still you. But it's, it, it's some part that you kind of left behind yeah. because of all of these pressures. For sure. I completely agree. Uh, also, like in Europe, in Italy, there is, we are more conservative. Yes. Uh, we are less flexible. For example, if you come from a family, like probably you're going to follow the steps of your dad or your grandpa. Yeah. That is not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily bad. It actually can be very good, especially in certain business We're going to talk about wine later, so I'm going yes. to make you some example <laughs> in that sense. Um, and also, and also, like you, you acquire the same mentality of a past generation because you live with your parents, you, li- you live in contact with your grandparents, with your uncles, people from uh, previous generations. Yeah. So your way of thinking is almost this. It's very. It's influenced. that mindset. There is an influence. There is a huge influence. 100%. And if you're like. Uh, with them every day, you're like <laughs> close contact with them. Those you start seeds, thinking they like put that. the seeds in your brain, right? Yes. And it's there and you get to a point in your life, even though sometimes you, you don't like the way that they conduct their lives, but they've put that into you so strongly that even without you wanting to, you're doing it. Yeah. It's like a program. Yeah. It's like a program. Exactly. But again, there is a duality in this. It's hard to explain because I, I don't want to say that, for example, in my, in my case, I'm just yeah. talking personally, I'm not saying that my uncle's way of thinking or my brother or my dad, it's a bad way. Like it's, uh, it's, no, no, it's, no, no, it's no. wrong. I'm not saying. No, no, no. Oh, and you're not saying that. Yeah, as, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think everybody has their own perspective, but you're right. Is like their way of thinking isn't wrong. It's their way. Yeah. But I think. But when you're young, you don't agree at all. Exactly. You, you don't like it <laughs> at all. But at the same time, that's why there is like a duality. At the same time, it influenced you like in like very strongly, right? 100%. So like he, they have, a, not they have, like you put yourself a program. So, you know, when you go to another country, you, uh, you say like, okay, like you, I don't have to follow the same program. I don't have to follow the same steps. But at, this, at the same time, when you realize that you have to reinvent yourself, that you, you can be whatever you want, that you can decide where to go, Mm-hmm. that you can decide a new direction. You exactly. can decide new goals. Also like you, you feel almost like a vertigo, like to say like, okay, now, now what, you know? Because now the world is open. Yes. Now it's a playground. Yes. What can I do? Yes. Right? So like for, for a year and a half, two years, I, I was like in that state of mind, like, oh, you know, like, what can I do? What are my skills? What are my interests? Uh, but you know, I was, I was lucky enough also because now we will live in a time that we have access to the internet. Yeah. We have access to podcasts. We have access to, uh, self-improvement books. It's huge. So, you know, like I started that, I started that path of like knowing myself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, even the Greeks, like even, even, uh, Socrates, like he, he said, like, know yourself, know the self. Yeah. And you know, like he, uh, like that, that, that's actually one of my passion, like yeah, <laughs> philosophy, yeah. Greek culture, Roman that's culture, Latin culture, stoicism. Um, I used to love philosophy when I was in, in school and yeah, high school. Great. I took three years of philosophy. Oh yeah. Back yeah. In, ah, no. Portugal, in Portugal. In Portugal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. That, that's another thing that we can no, talk about. We can do another way. podcast no, just on that. No, 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 no. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, like it's so different, like the way of teaching and the school program, but you know, like, uh, yeah, going back to uh, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, basically I started working in restaurants, uh, also because it was like a very fast and easy way to learn English. Mm-hmm. And then I, I asked myself, so what are my interests? And they said, okay, I like what I like to do. Like I like reading. I could like spend like days and days and weeks reading. I like art. I remember like the first thing I, I did when I was here, it was, uh, become a member of the AGO. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's a passion. And then I like food and wine even though I didn't have any training to any of these things. So I said, oh, what can I do? I said, okay, like, oh, I can make, I can make a living with reading and this. Because I was, I was coming from a scarcity mindset, mm. I put these things about literature, literature and, uh, and art on the side. Even though like right now, today, if I start thinking like ways of 
living, making a living with these two things, I'm sure I can find a way. There's always <laughs> because, a way. Because now, now I'm like more, like I'm more confident in myself, 100%. I'm more confident in the world, I'm more confident in these kind of things. But I decided like in, in wine. So I said like, okay, I'm studying wine. So I didn't start it as, as a business. So my first idea wasn't like opening like a, a company or an import company, even though it was in the back of my mind. So I started training as a sommelier. So okay. I bought my first book. I, um, I, I remember like I had like some money and I signed up for uh, wine, wine classes. Okay. Uh, and then working in restaurant, I could, you know, pour wine, talking, like speaking yeah, about Yeah, I wine. mean, you were working in the right environment, right? Because yes. you could, whatever, I guess, whatever you were learning in, in class, you could yeah. try it out, yeah. I yeah. guess, if you had it in yeah. the restaurant. For sure. Even like I was working in a pizzeria, nothing, nothing fancy, but I was explaining the wine to yeah. the guys, like, you know, if, if it was a very humble, simple wine. And then I said, oh, okay. And then exactly, I said, why don't they try to work like in a better restaurant with like a wine list and this and that? Yes. And they start working like in, in, a, in a famous restaurant. It was like a famous at the time here in Toronto. And then I became a sommelier. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I was, I was serving a table uh, and, um, and the guests say like, oh, what's your plan for the future? So you came from Italy. I said, yeah, you know, like one day I would like to open an import company. And this lady that I st- I'm still in touch, she, she, actually, she actually lives here across from St. Clair. She said, oh, I have a guy for you, Domenico. He actually imports food. And he actually was mentioning that he wanted to start with wine. <laughs> so she gave me the number of the person that would become my business partner. This is amazing. Yeah, I love t- these stories. Yeah, and today's my business partner, Domenico. Maybe one day you're going to meet him, I'm sure. I mean, if you come to the office, you're going to we'll see We'll definitely him. meet him. And uh, I called him the very same day. And we took a coffee the day after. Wow. And he was saying, yeah, like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, yeah, we can use your knowledge. Yeah, we, we. And I said, oh, I want to do this. I have some contact. But he said, I'm very busy right now because it's food business, mm-hmm. the, the food part of the business. Yeah. But we can talk again uh, maybe this summer. Long story, another long story short. <laughs> like, then I went to study in France. Uh, then I came back. And they say, okay, is this the right moment? And but you went to study in France again? Wine. wine? Okay. <laughs> okay. So you continued on that yes, route. Okay. Yes. Actually, um, here I took like two important certification here in okay. Toronto. One is called WSET and one is called, I'm, I'm like a certified sommelier with the Corto Master Sommelier. That's actually like oh, an wow. international uh, society, let's say. And then I went to France to study wine, uh, like in wineries, tasting as much as I could. And I was tasting, tasting drink, a lot, more drinking and tasting, to be honest, but <laughs> let's say tasting wine every single day. And then I was also, I signed up for a, a marketing and a marketing management master okay. um, in wine, Interesting. In wine business. So I got also some, so like, so at that point you were, that's, you knew that that's what you wanted yes, to do. Yes. I okay. didn't know. I mean, I was starting to do that. I already met Domenico, mm-hmm. even though like when I was there, I also, one of my idea, ideas were, was to, uh, to work as an export manager for a big company, for okay. a big winery. Like export manager, you basically, for example, they say like, oh, we, we produce 20 wines and you bring these 20 wines around the world and you find importers in every mm-hmm. single country that so would that buy your wine. wine. <laughs> so okay. that, that, that was also my plan. Cafe Brasiliano, where the coffee is truly amazing, but that's not all they have to offer. Their sandwiches will make your taste buds dance. Every bite is packed with flavor and freshness. Trust me on this one. The vintage style of this place isn't just limited to the decor. They even have a marketplace of quality products that you can browse while you're enjoying your coffee. Perfect to meet your friends or make new ones. Cafe Brasiliano is the perfect place for coffee sandwiches and a unique shopping experience. If you're in Toronto, don't forget to swing by at 80 Miller Street. As you were getting your, yourself deeper and deeper into the into the wine business, that that passion did it start growing with it? Did you enjoy the the world of wine? Did you enjoy everything that comes with that world? Like how, yeah. got us through a little bit. What, what really told you, like what really got you to continue and to really get passionate about it? First of all, like when I started, like I knew only, I knew a little bit about the wine of Southern Italy. And then mm. I remember the first wine class that attended. Mm. So the, the sommelier uh, made us taste like one from Austria, one from Australia, two one from France, one, one from Germany, one, one from Spain. And, and they had like a, 
like a haha moment, you know, like, oh, you know, there's so much more to learn. Yeah. So that, that was like the first catch moment, like the first uh, connection moment with wine. Yeah. You know, because I, I realized that it was like a much bigger world. So I'm a very curious person. So like, yeah. I, I love to study, I love to learn. And then, of course, like, it's, it's, it's amazing when, when you go to a winery, you meet donors, but you also meet the winemakers. That's some, you know, and there's usually always the good same. stories behind yeah, it, yeah. right? Okay, first of all, like wine is always made in beautiful places. That you know, is you, true. Have you ever seen like a wine, like a, a vine, a vineyard, like in, in a city like Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, usually you need like a special climate. You yeah. need like some elevation. You need like a slope. Yeah. You need other crops around. So when you go to a winery, it's usually like, you see like all these hills. Yeah. You this see the year, forest. I actually went to the Douro <laughs> uh, in Portugal. Yeah. We did the whole trip down the Douro River and seeing all the vineyards there and all that. It was like, wow, yeah. what a world. Because I never, uh, I never thought there would be so much. It's like hill after hill after hill. It's insane. And when you start thinking about how many people they need to pick all of these grapes up and to do all this stuff, because it's a short period of time that you have to pick these grapes up, right? Yes. And you're seeing how much is around you. You're like, oh, it's mind boggling. No, I know. I know. That's, that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the most beautiful thing. Like, you know, first the landscape, as you said, like yeah, hill after hill. Amazing. And then sometimes, especially in, uh, in, uh, in places like Douro in Portugal in general, you also see like all the olive trees, yes. you see cypress, you see a forest, you see grains, you see cherry trees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's very, uh, there's it's a variety. There's a amazing, variety. Yeah. And then of course you, that when you have a little, like some understanding, about so why this grape variety grows here in Portugal and doesn't grow in southern Italy? Why this grape varieties grows at this altitude and doesn't grow on flatland? It's all about these microclimates, right? Yes, but it's all it's also because yeah, it's microclimate. But imagine that thousands of years ago, like the Romans, the Greeks, they didn't have any let's say science based, but they were it was trial and error. No? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was observation. So the Roman used to plant the, the vines where the snow melted first. For example, so it meant that they had enough heat, More sun, enough yeah. sun, enough sunlight to make the, the you know the vine grow and and to, mm-hmm. to be able to produce fruits. There are like so many aspects of uh, the wine world that you know, like and then the history, the wine making techniques uh, that you know that are different in, in each place. And a lot of the, those techniques have changed a lot lately, right? Yeah. And and I've noticed that there's a, a big um, shift into. Uh, more and more of the organic stuff as well. And I've noticed, I actually went, Googled your, your company and you guys also have a lot of like uh, wines uh, geared towards that. Yeah, like 95% of the wines that we represent, it's organic at least. What's the big difference? When people say organic wine, what's the big difference between organic wine and, and not regular organic. wine? Okay, organic wine tends not to use any artificial products. Okay. For example, no pesticide. Mm-hmm. No herbicide. Um, that's that's the first thing. So don't use these pr- chemical products in the vineyard. Second, not using any chemical products in the cellar. So not putting any artificial um, um, acids, not putting any artificial tannins, not putting any colorant, uh, not putting like uh, extreme quantity of sulfite. This is the big okay. difference. Not like not using chemicals, not using poisons. So essentially going back to how wine was made yes. back in the day. Yeah. But there is also like a step beyond. There is also okay. natural wine. Okay. <laughs> Explain, please. <laughs> I just know how to drink it and yeah. I like a lot of Sorry, wine. Okay, let's let's do this. So conven- let's say let's call it conventional wines. Okay. So conventional wineries that are usually industrial wineries, they want to make the biggest crop every single year. They want to produce the biggest amount of grapes. And they want to make the biggest amount of wine. So should we say quantity over quality? Yes. Okay. Also, also have to be honest, like the market demands that there's a huge demand. Yeah. 90% of the wines that you see in the supermarkets or in in the the store, in the LCBO (laughs) store, uh, they're conventional wine. So even even like, like for example wines like prosecco pinot grigio you know yeah uh, <laughs> or like generic like a burn sauvignon or generic wine those those are wines that because they wanted to produce the biggest crop they were uh, they were treating the plants a lot yeah of course they say like oh you know but you know during the fermentation during uh, but we wash the grapes you know before making the wine 
but there, there are particles of pesticide of and the herbicide that stays, they stick in the wine. Mm. And then also like lots of modifying process during the winemaking techniques during the cellars. I'm not gonna make any names, but there is a huge part yeah. in LCBO, in supermarket in Europe, because there is a huge demand. Then there is organic wine that they try not to use anything, even though they can use something bad. Usually they don't use at least pesticide and herbicide. Okay. Then there is natural wine that they don't use any of that. Plus also they don't touch, they have low intervention in the vineyards. So they don't plug, oh, they don't till. So they, it just grows? Yes. They actually, um, they, um, they wanna, they plant other herbs. For example, I have many wineries that they plant aromatic herbs that attracts the natural predator of the pest. For example, the ladybug, some spiders that okay. actually they're gonna eat the, the, the parasite. Interesting. The pest. So, so that's a natural nature, pesticide. So they're using yes. nature to, yes. to combat that. Or they plant, they, plant, they plant also like a variety of crop, lemon trees, cherry trees, grains, huh. um, vegetables, uh, you know, uh, other herbs. World. That's but also like <laughs> natural wine world. I have a critic also regarding that, but well-made natural wine is also like a way of living. Like many of my winemakers, they live uh, in the vineyard. They live in the farm. So these these are also people that don't produce m big quantities. No, so every year they only have X amount of wine to sell out, right? Yes. And there is another big difference between conventional wine and natural wine. Conventional wine tends to make every single year the same qual the same taste in the wine that they're gonna sell. They 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 strive. They aim for consistency. Mm -hmm. Even like like big. Champagne producer, like uh, I'm not gonna make name, but yeah, yeah, the most sold champagne. They try to keep it always the consistency. same, same yes. consistency. Okay. They fight for consistency. But That's the their natural, goal. natural wine, they actually want to showcase that every single vintage is different. Interesting. You know what I mean? So that they can, when they open a bottle, they know that oh, this is yes. that this yeah. year, this and was, this is oh, why. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know, like smell, smell or ripe is the wine. Uh, you know, feel the body in the wine because the vintage was very warm. So the warmer the vintage the more sugar was in the grape and the more alcohol tra <laughs> transformed. Interesting. You know, the, the, more, sh the more sugar tr transformed in alcohol during the fermentation. So the wine has more alcohol. Because it was very warm, the fruits aromas are riper instead of being just fresh or tart. They're ripe and overripe because it was a very warm vintage. And, and what about uh, the time that the wine has to stay without being open? Now, do these natural wines have to be consumed quicker or are those wines they're able to be stored for um, more time, more years so that the flavors comes out, come out more. Like I know that that time has an, uh, an effect on the, on the flavor of wine. How much of an effect does it have on the natural wine? So, okay. This thing's about aging wine. Yeah. Um, it's not given about the, what your, your decision about the winemaking techniques. If you want to make conventional or natural wine, I'm going to explain, I'm going to try okay. to explain. I'm going to get educated here today. Actually, it's not uh, about just uh, drinking uh, wine. It's about you want, learning. Do you want a sip of wine while we were talking about wine? Okay. So let's, yeah, sure. what did you bring yeah, us? Also because my, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's all dry. So okay. Actually, I brought, so the first one is from Sicily. Can we show like somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what? So, it's from, yeah, it's from Sicily <laughs> and um, it's actually comes from the Mount Etna. It's, it comes from a volcano. It comes from volcanic soil. Okay. Um, it's a mountain uh, at the same time as a volcano. It's actually an active vol volcano. Like really? if you go there, like there is like magma, like all the time. Uh, it's called Etna Rosso. Etna is the name of, of the mountain. Okay. And it's a blend of two local varieties, Nerello Mascalese and Nerello Cappuccio. It sounds amazing. Those are usually elegant <laughs> wines. All right. I think this is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time we're having uh, wine when uh, when doing a podcast. So this is amazing. Thank you so much, sir. All right. So before I start drinking, yeah. for somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, what should we be doing with the wine? So how do you... <laughs> What should you be 
okay. smelling or okay, if you tasting want, or like, how does this work? Okay, depends Educate what you want to do. <laughs> if you want to do a tasting, okay, like let's say a professional tasting, you have to start from the look. The look, all right. So you have to see like, so usually like you put it by the a light by or the light. you try to put it like by a, a very clear surface. You can put like a, yeah, your hand in this case or okay. like a white piece of piece paper. Of paper. Like, yeah, so of this paper. one isn't too dark. Yeah, it's more a garnet. Uh, so you, you see like which color is that? It can be ruby, it can be purple, it can be garnet. Okay. So the type of color. This is like more garnet. Like it looks like a little bit brownish, right? Mm -hmm. If you put it like a little bit on the side. And then you you can you can notice if it's like deep in color or it's more clear. In this case, like it's more clear. Like you can see, you can see your end, right? And, and is there... Um is there a, a, such a thing as d darker is better than lighter or lighter is better than darker? Or is this you, just you, a myth? Of you, so we are just describing now. Okay. So no, there is no, it, it always depends you hear on the this taste. So much it always people. depends on the taste. So yes. there are people that like Pinot Noir that usually are more elegant wines. Mm. They're not on, uh, on the power. They're more on the elegance. So there are people that, okay, why, why, why certain, certain people like more Hugh Grant rather than Arnold Schwarzenegger? It's their taste. It's their taste. Yeah. And wine is the same. So Pinot Noir is Hugh Grant. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon or Primitivo is Arnold Schwarzenegger. There you go. Okay. It's exactly like that. So it's your taste. So in this case, we are like a, a clear, clear color. Then, okay, like, let's see, like, okay, those are the two things, the, the most important things. You see which color and you see like um, if it's clear or deep in color. Then you put your nose inside. And you see like, oh, it's, it's intense. So what's the um, intensity? So if you start smelling from here, it's very intense. If you have to stick your nose to start feeling the smell as like a medium, medium minus intensity. Mm -hmm. This is a medium because like you don't have to stick entirely your nose in the glass, but you, you yeah, you start, you start smelling from here. And then, and then you can, you so can. So now you, you, this is where you, you can detect like what is added because but, yeah. you, like in this one, it's giving me a lot of strawberry and a lot of like. Yeah. Yeah. So this, okay. This exercise is just I'm to right see. Or the, not. No, 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 no. You're, you're always right. You're never wrong. Okay. You're never wrong. That's Espe good. Especially when you're. Can you tell this to my wife, please? <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening or watching, pay attention to Vincenzo. He knows. He said you're never wrong. <laughs> um, then, then, so this exercise about, you know, your nose is just, just understand. And the, the, the intensity of the wine. Then we start to swear like this. Okay, I'm right-handed, so this is gonna better it this way. You don't wanna make a mess. Or to start, for example, if you're a beginner, you pour it here. On and you surface, just go around. Okay, okay. And it goes around. So I'm gonna do the beginner. Uh, I started like this as well. So what are we looking for when we do this? So when you do, you do this, so there is like, there is the oxygen okay. attached to the surface of the wine and it makes all the aromas the aromas like go through the surface of the glass and come to the center of the glass. So now I should smell more, more of the. Yes. If you swear. You're right. Interesting. You smell of course you're more. right. What yeah. am I saying? Of course he's right. Uh, he knows what he's talking <laughs> no. about. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so for example, if professionally you have to describe a wine, for example, yeah. blind tasting. Yes. Know, because like part of the exam to become a sommelier they, they put you like two or four wines and you have to describe them. And then you have to guess which one is that. Oh. You know, already from the color, you can understand a lot about wine. For example, a clear, a clear, if it has a clear color, it's not, Cabernet, it's not a Cabernet Sauvignon. It's not a Syrah. It's not a Malbec. So Why? You, you know what to put to yes, the side right away. Because these wines are very dark ruby or very dark purple and they're never clear. So you never can see the paper or your end, <laughs> you know, that, that now I'm doing, yeah, now I'm doing like a so many, you know, and then, then you swear, I say, and then you start understanding the fruit components. Those are called primary aromas. So you, you start noticing the fruit aromas. Yes. For example, I'm going to say one fruit and you say one fruit. I say, uh, cherry. What else you, I, I got strawberry for strawberry. some reason. Okay. What do, what do they have in common? Strawberry and cherry. They are red fruit, red fruits. Yeah, exactly. So. If, if I, myself and you are saying two red fruit, I, so what defines this wine is red fruit, mm. primary aromas. So I can also like erase other, other wines, other, other grape varieties that I usually have 
a dark fruit fruit aromas. Like for example, Cabernet Sauvignon has a black fruit aromas. Yeah. You know, like a Malbec has um, a purple fruit aromas. They smell like blackberry, they smell like plum, they smell like blueberry. So Mm -hmm. this smells like red fruit. And then we say say, cherry, strawberry, raspberry. And And then we also like other things that they do in the smell. So is this, this fruit, is this cherry tart, fresh, ripe or overripe? That's, that's, what, that's what the sommelier ask, <laughs> ask himself. No, it's, it's very interesting. It's this also is like, amazing, but yeah, wow. Also like your mind works. So it's, uh, it's, it's a very engaging How exercise. How long does it take you to, to start getting things right? It's experience. Depend, or it depends on the it's person experience. too, right? It's experience, uh, but it's also... Um, it's also like tasting other, like more wines, as mm-hmm. much wine as, for example, I, I used to, to buy all these different grape varieties. I used to go to, there, there are a couple of LCBO that have this, this machine called Denomatic. Mm-hmm. So they, they used to, to pour one ounce for like uh, $4 of very expensive wine. So I used to taste all these crazy wines. Anyways, this is well, another it's, story. It's studying, right? Yes, you were yeah, studying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. So I'm gonna, yeah. we're gonna take a sip and yeah, see yeah. what this is. On the palate, you can understand. Okay, I, I was saying on the nose, you, you start saying if it's fresh, ripe, or overripe. In my opinion, this is like more on the fresh, mm-hmm. on the fresh fruit, fresh and ripe. So again, for example, we said red fruit. Usually, yeah. for example, a grape like Primitivo has always ripe, overripe, and jammy fruit. So this is, I'm sure it's not a Primitivo because the fruit here is just fresh and ripe, you know, on the nose. But also like then on the nose, you can, it's not just fruit. What else you feel like? It's an, it's a nerdy wine. It's a herbal wine. It's a vegetal wine. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know wow. you you can make like <laughs> many descriptions. It's not just about the fruit. It's, it's a smoky. It's meaty. It's mineral. It's it's very complex. These, it's these very complex. These flavors are yeah. these smells that we get when when we're we're having the wine. These are all predetermined. Like the whoever's making the wine makes it that certain way with those fruits. No. No. So how do how do we achieve those tastes and the smells? So eighty percent of the taste and the smell of the wine is the grape variety. Okay. Each grape variety has a different DNA. It has a different structure. So, for example, as uh, there are grape varieties that have very thick skin. Yes. There are gra- there are grape varieties that are very juicy. There are grape varieties that the, the grape is much larger, I mean, it's much bigger or it's much smaller. And then it changed the ratio, the ratio between skin and pulp. <laughs> or yeah. there are grape varieties that have seeds that relay, release a huge amount of tannins. Or there are grape varieties that they don't, they don't have tannins at all. <laughs> wow. But, okay, it's the grape variety, but it's also the climate. And then in the end, it's actually the, the winemaking techniques. If you put the wine, the juice in oak, if you put it just in stainless steel, if you put it just in uh, in concrete, there are many factors. This many. is this is I know, interesting. I know. Right? There's, I know. I can you know, I can talk I like knew, hours about I this. I knew that there was a lot of things that a lot of little pieces of the puzzle when it comes to wine winemaking. But listening to you with all of these different variations, different things that you can have in the wine, it's. It's, I, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm surprised uh, because it's just a lot to learn and to, um, to remember all this stuff. And actually, I'm like a, an average level, let's say. There are people so expert that they're expert, like master sommelier, master of wine. Those are professional uh, figures, let's say, like professional people yeah. that are paid by a huge company to create like the wine list of the, the, like the biggest cruise company in the world or uh, they're writers, they're journalists about wine. They can even nail down the vintage or the village where the wine comes from. And I swear, I saw people nailing the vineyards, the vineyards, the plot of land where the wine comes from. Wow. I saw it but that, that has to be a special kind of person. A, like a trained <laughs> person, a trained person that practice every single day of his life. You know, it's like, it's like being Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, listen, like there are, Maybe let's say a million people that study wine or studied wine, but there are just let's say six hundred master sommeliers in the world. Yeah, and then from those, there's in probably the a handful that that are the I, top I, top. No, right? but at the master sommelier, you are already the top 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 yeah. of the world. Wow. Yeah, in Toronto, there are actually three master sommeliers living in Toronto. 
And wow. actually, one one of them was uh, was my teacher. Oh, so, so yeah. you had a good teacher. I learned, yeah, I learned there a lot from him. So yeah. all of this wine business, you decided to just get together with... Uh, with Domenico. Your, yes. Domenico, your current partner there. Yeah. And so that started, that adventure, when did it start for you? How long ago? Four years ago. Four years ago. <laughs> Almost five. And yeah, how has, very, how very has that new. journey been <laughs> from, uh, you know, studying to now owning your own business and... Uh, going through all of the business side of things because now it's not just tasting wines it's not just I know, I know, going I know. to parties now it's there's a whole other okay. side to it so how's that been all the things that we said i learned these things before starting the business i'm very lucky because yeah. I, do, I don't know if i would have the time to learn all these things while running a business i don't know so I, okay i think the timing was very good so if i open by the time that i met domenico when i just arrived here maybe like it wouldn't have been the same i wouldn't have mm -hmm. the same knowledge about the wine I wouldn't have the time to go in france and I wouldn't have like, like most importantly, all the connection because studying with his name is Bruce Wallner, master sommelier, studying with him in his class, I met all the people that would become my clients, my future clients, but I didn't know. You didn't of know. Of course I didn't know. Like, I didn't so know that I would, I would open like Alta Wines, my business company, right? So, but, so they were friends, of course. Like we were having yeah. a good time learning about wine. And then after class, we were <laughs> drinking wine or drinking cocktails, whatever. Uh, so, some of them are still my best friends nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, but always started. So I uh, started, I think, um, 2018. Uh, we got the license. We were representing just a couple of wineries from Puglia, from my region. Those were the wines that I used to drink before coming here. Okay. So they gave me the chance, the opportunity to represent them. And I was selling like, <laughs> exactly like this, like the, the bottle with the cork, because I didn't have a Coravin. I, I, I didn't, I couldn't afford, not even like a wine bag. I didn't have a car. Wow. I, I used to go from restaurant to restaurant to these, these people that I met in these wine classes or wine shows with my bicycle, with my backpack and with, with bottles with the cork, open bottles. And now I, I can, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I have these bottles because I, I finished the gas of carving. That's another story. Uh, I couldn't <laughs> afford this machine because now when I do the tasting, I have this machine that with the needle goes in the cork, takes the wine, pours the wine in the glass, and then injects a gas that prevents the contact between uh, <laughs> the okay. oxygen and the water. It's crazy. Interesting. With me, otherwise we'll probably I show we'll you. see if we get a shot of that afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somewhere. No, no, I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll show you. So I was, I was going around with a couple of wineries and then I made like a couple of clients, the first client, the second clients, then 10 clients. Then these 10 clients allowed me to sell enough wine to be, to have like enough money to buy more wine. So I started calling Okay. this winery and say like listen like are you guys represented in ontario so this is the this is the how it the works sales pitch yeah the sales pitch actually the buying pitch the buying pitch yes, yeah yes, yes. <laughs> it's like oh uh you know like are you guys represented in ontario no no we're sorry would you be interested interested but i remember at the beginning everybody was saying who are you like what do you do like who do you represent well how many clients sense, do you, how many right? clients do you have how many wineries do you represent so i said like listen i just started like but i have, I have to be very grateful uh, and in fact, like the first winers that I, uh, that I, I work, like I started working with are in the first page of my, my portfolio and they will be there forever because they were the first people to believing in me. And nice. also I'm very grateful for the first clients here in Toronto that believed in me. And, and, you know, they're always like, they're, they're my, not just my favorite, but are, those are the clients that I will always follow myself. Even now we are hiring people, salespeople. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the first clients, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna still go they, there. They, and they have that them. special place, yeah, yeah, right? Because yeah, they were course. the first, the first one believe, believing in this guy with a bicycle, yeah. going with his backpack with this, like a couple of samples that maybe like with were oxidized bottles. So uh, you know, I didn't have experience, right? Yeah. So I learned a lot working. And then from two wineries, we went to three wineries. From three wineries, I remember seven, from seven, 14, from 14, 20, from 20. Now we have like more than 40 wineries. Oh, wow. We have more like than, we're almost like 300 products in our catalog, like in our portfolio. I'm adding maybe another five, six wineries this year. Wow. From Italy. And I'm adding maybe another five, six from France. That's my goal for 2023. Amazing, man. So this yeah. is from 2018 to now. Yeah. And Let's not forget there was a pandemic in the middle. Pandemic there. in the middle. And then also oh, right. like we were storing our, you know, a few cases, you know, for the mixed case. I mean, I can tell you like so many stories, like in, so we were storing some wine cases in, in the storage 
of the building where Domenico used to live and then bringing these cases to like the fourth floor with no elevator, like it was a mess. This is, this is why you have to start your own podcast. Uh, you know, uh, I'm telling you, you have all these stories. <laughs> like, we'll help you out, man. But uh, you got to start because I think this is really interesting. These stories are what make uh, entrepreneurship interesting, right? Because a lot of times we look at people that have a business, we see the end product, but we don't realize what it took to get there, right? Exactly. And the more years you're in business, the more stories you're going to get. And it, I feel like the most interesting part, and now we have the, the opportunity to, you know, put some cameras on and some microphones and have conversations. And the, the crazier thing is there are people who love to listen to these stories. And I'm sure that a lot of, you know, of our viewers, they're, they're young entrepreneurs that are starting the business, uh, a business, but doesn't matter what kind of business it is. We all go through these kind of oh, similar sure experiences we start here and then you evolve there and then you learn and then you do some more and then you you made a mistake but you learn from the mistake and you keep on going which is important too like i think a lot of people think that it's just like oh we're gonna get lucky and we're gonna keep on going you might be lucky but in most cases you're gonna have to make a mistake but it's okay as long as it's not too bad <laughs> to keep on going yeah it's true yeah it's um so what's what's the plan for the future now the plan for the future, uh, the plan, so I really like reach some goals. So now I'm feel very lucky. Like, I mean, even though it's not, <laughs> I can be like, let's say proud because now we have like an office, we have a warehouse, we have, um, we have a person that does delivery for us. Um, not on the bike. I'm not on the bike. Okay. No, now we have, <laughs> so now we have like four cars. We didn't have any car okay. before. So it's not uh, on the bike. So it's for okay. the future, for the future, I still want to work on my skills. Mm -hmm. As a, um, as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, as a salesman, I want to improve my skills in selling, in following up with people. So I want to improve my skills dramatically because I, I still I still know that I can do much better uh, in certain aspect of my job. Sometimes I tend to uh, feel comfortable. What, so for example, if I I'm, now I'm, I'm talking from uh, like openly, uh, for example, in the past, if I made like a huge sale. Say, okay, I had enough for today. So I rested <laughs> for the rest of the day, but no, I can still push. I still have the energy, of I still course. have the time. So I wanna, I wanna improve that. Uh, I wanna improve the communication with my clients. Uh, I wanna improve, um, get like the way of getting a new client. That's personally. Yeah. Then uh, the service, I wanna improve the service. So I wanna create a team. I wanna have like more people in sales. I want to have double of the clients that we have. Um, so that's, that's the quality of the service that I want to improve. I want a person that does only invoice that does, I mean, not only voice that does invoices that wants to uh, get the credit back. That it's a, it's a thing that takes, takes a lots of my time and yeah. the more time these things take, yeah, the, admin the, the, the stuff lower is, the quality of the services. Yeah. The, ad, <laughs> the admin stuff is actually, yes. uh, in a business admin is what takes away from the sales, what takes away from a Huge. lot of the, the. Yeah. You know, the quality control yeah. that you're talking visiting about, a client. Right? Instead of visiting a client, I'm, uh, I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm, I'm looking at the number. I'm looking like what did, who didn't pay for like 90, 90 days. That doesn't, no, you, know. you want to be able to speak exactly. to them. No, I hundred percent. Instead of visiting a client, I'm, uh, I'm calling the courier to organize the delivery. No, we, we no. reach a point now that we are a medium sized, uh, business that want, wants to invest in creating a team. But it's interesting you're saying yeah. this because I was just having this conversation with my wife today about in my business, how that has been um, sort of like a, a little bit of a block in the growth of my businesses because we fall into that trap that we want to control everything. Do we want to do all the little things? And what happens is sometimes when you're too busy doing all the little things, you can't pay attention to the big things yeah. to where you want to actually go. And it's, it's, uh, for me to hear you're, you're already in that zone. I think you're in the right track. Oh, um, and, and I think that's the way every entrepreneur should think. It's like, yeah, in the beginning, you have to do what you have to do. We get it. It's okay. But then learn how to step aside. I think that's my biggest advice to people who are starting businesses as well. Learn to step aside and do what you're good at. If you're good in sales, if that's what you do, get better at it. Yes. Yeah, get I better at agree. it. You know what I said today to my business partner? Actually, it was a question. It wasn't like an affirmation that I said. I said, what's the difference between building a company and running a company? Two very different things. So I said, how 
you you build a company and how you run a company. You build a company with vision and planning. You run you run a company with ex- executing your plan. Yes. So this year I want to have more time for vision, big decision, where I want to bring my company in the future. I want have more time in planning my vision, for example, big events, uh, acquiring new product, go to, to find new products like I did in January. Yeah. And less executing, like delivering. The little things. <laughs> like yeah. tasting, like do all the tasting with all the clients. So I want to delegate this execution yeah. part. Of course, I'm still gonna do it because I like it and I wanna do it, especially like, you know, before I was saying with my, you know, with my first clients, I still wanna do it yeah. and I like it. But more vision, more planning. That's the, if I want to resume to make like right. another long story short, uh-huh. more vision, more planning, less executing for 2023. That's amazing, it. man. Amazing. Well, this was good. We're gonna finish that off yes. with just a one question. Yes. Are we gonna go train today or? What's going to um, happen? Yeah. What time is it? Uh, it's 6.30. We still have time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. We're probably going to go train. We're yes. going to probably be partners and- uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's do punt. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> but, not? you know, before we leave, just a little bit on that. Martial yes. arts. And I know we're- How long have we been talking, Paul? An hour and something? Oh, we're, we're okay. This If okay, Joe if Rogan can do three hours, yeah, we can do an yeah. hour. Okay, so oh, we're okay. good. No, no, we're good. It's, it's, it's real, it's for real? 6.30? 6.30? Yeah. Oh, okay. What time is class? Seven thirty. Yeah, we still have we still have another five ten minutes. Let's, let's, let's say five minutes. Okay, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll slice this up for people who aren't patient. If you're not patient, we're gonna have short <laughs> videos. It's okay. <laughs> Martial arts. This is yes. something. This is how we met, right? Yes. So we met. I'm gonna say probably about this was before the pandemic. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you were always uh, ahead of me. You were already there. Uh, I slowly trying, uh, trying. I'm, I'm still, you know, running, running a little bit behind. But it is the way things are. Um, but that, uh, that's that's where we met, and yes. and we still have classes together and all that. And I see, and then uh, you once told me, oh, I also do jujitsu. I'm like, holy cow, this guy, you know, he he really wants, he likes this kind of uh, life. Yeah. What does martial arts bring to your life that you push yourself so much to to be there and to to show up like we were saying? Yeah, for me, um, for me, it's proof. It's, it's, it's like proof to myself that I can reach bigger goal, that I can have discipline, that I can have clarity, that uh, makes me healthy. Um, makes me calmer, makes me more patient, Yeah, makes me less stressed, makes me more uh, peaceful. Yeah. Uh, that's what it brings me. Yeah, that's honestly like, it's a big part of my life. Do you ever see yourself stopping? No, never. Interesting. Never. I don't see myself, I mean, anything can happen. Of course, of but course, I'm saying- Of course, like I have a huge dark side in myself. Huge, like also I started because I'm very, like I'm very, I, I tend, I tend to, to overdo everything. So I also like I tend, I used to tend to overdo partying and drink. <laughs> <laughs> actually I transformed that in a job. And actually now that became a job, I drink like 10 times less. It's incredible. Like yeah. I, I have full access of one every single day. And I drink, yeah, life. I never drink. And, yeah, yeah, life, yeah. Oh, exactly. So it's, um, what I was saying, yeah, it brings me discipline. It brings me, uh, you know, I want to push myself. I want, I want to do, I want to be healthier. I want to be some, you know, like I have to be honest. Like sometimes when I see myself in the mirror with a gi, I think that's that's my true nature. And then yeah. now, like the way I'm dressing now and the way that I'm sitting now is just actually a costume. It's funny you're you saying know? that because when you walked in, I'm like, oh, he looks different today. <laughs> <laughs> I always see him on a well, gi you with know, the gi. shorts, you know, when, when we do card the combat. Exactly. No, no, yeah, sometimes I, uh, I think, you know, like Superman, Superman and Clark Kent. Yeah, we go in with the- You know, Superman <laughs> is Superman and Clark Kent is a costume. Exactly. Sometimes I feel that myself in a gi, it's my true identity. And then all this wine and <laughs> vodka stuff is just a costume. It's funny. That's, that's but interesting. I, yeah, I also come from like a family of martial artists, like but martial artists, but this is like oh, so another it runs, podcast. It runs yeah. in the, okay, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's good to know. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, you're a good partner to spar with, Thank I you. have to say. Sometimes he pulls some jujitsu stuff on me that yeah, I'm like, I, I, I keep telling him I'm an old guy, but <laughs> I can take it though. <laughs> it's true, I did it a couple of times. Yeah, some yeah. arm bars, some, some Listen, I'm okay with that. I, you know, if I was, 
<laughs> I'm still debating, which is kind of crazy. At my age, I'm still debating jujitsu. Yeah. But I don't think so. It's just because, I don't know. I think I'm going to stick to karate and just go with that because jujitsu is, it's amazing from what I can see from everybody else. But I think like anything in life, it has an age, right? If you've been, I think, practicing jujitsu for a long time and you're now 50 or 60 or so, that's different because you have the experience from before. So it's not going to be so bad in your, your, your body. But I think now me going into it, I think that might be a little bit of a shock. So I'm going to stay okay. I mean, my wife is probably watching this. Don't worry. I'm not going to kill myself. Uh, <laughs> she's always afraid. Oh, are you going to kill yourself? No, I'm not. Um, but I'm going to, karate is one of those things that I, I never, I've always been the kid, like, you know, as a kid, I was always looking at the karate movies and, you know, all of those things that we used to watch when we were kids. Beautiful. And I always thought, of, you know, I always enjoyed watching it, but I never really thought that, you know, I would be practicing it. And when I started, I was 40 when I started. Amazing. Good for you, man. And I never thought I would get to the point cool. I am today and feel as good as I feel today. Because it's not so much about being a black belt or being this or being it. It's more about what it makes you feel. And I, and talking to you, I think uh, you're in that same same zone, the way that it 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 helps us more mentally sometimes than physically. Yeah, I just want to say another thing about you. Because I, I spoke about me all the time. Um, no, like I remember, I remember when you started. I remember yeah. when you had a white gi, and actually, like looking a person with a white gi, like myself included, like yeah. we feel like a little bit like a, a fish out of the bowl. And you just know? Like, just for context like for it's, people, it's like it's, it's yeah. For people who don't know, in our dojo, we start off the white belt is with the white gi, so what we ah, wear yeah, is the yeah, white, sorry, yeah. and then we we go into a red gi. Uh, and then only when you go to a brown belt, you go into a black, black gi. gi. Yes. Right. But when you are a white belt with a white gi, it's the most, at least in my opinion, it's the most uncomfortable Very. feeling I ever, I ever felt in my life, ever experienced in my life. Like the first day with the white gi. Yeah, anyway, you're lost. I think you're it lost. was there your first day, probably. probably. I remember when you were with the white gi and I, and they noticed with my eyes, like huge improvements, like, man, like, but <laughs> like, even like, I think I, I missed like one year when I was in France and I think you already started by the time. And I remember like you were with a, with a black gi like all of a sudden yeah. because I stopped for a few months and I said like, oh man, like huge improvements. I remember. Yeah. So good for you. No, good for you. Like, I, I try. You know, <laughs> and I know, but you know, like I always like, I was a little bit peaky like in the past. I wasn't humble like when I started, when I, you know, when yeah, you were yeah. 25, 26, you know, like, so I, was, I always wanted like the biggest, the strongest, the most experienced partner. You know, uh, now, now it's a little bit less, but I still prefer to, to have like a nice partner, you know, so yeah. like you work hard, you know, and, and yeah, you always want to get somebody, uh, your level at a certain yeah. point, right? Yeah. Because you don't want to be kicking and punching someone, not, not directly. Sometimes we use a lot of the pads and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but if the partner can't take those punches and those yeah, kicks, or, it's yeah. not, doesn't feel the same. Right. Or he's not aware, or, you yeah. know, he's not present in the moment. It's just there because, you know, like you just. I mean, we work with everybody part, yeah, yeah, in our yeah, dojo, yeah. But, but it happens that sometimes it can be frustrating, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but but you're a great partner, so I'm uh, yeah very proud of uh, training with you. And oh, you know, likewise, man. Yeah. Likewise, thank you. It's thank been you, good, man. and thank you so much for oh, thank you coming over, bringing some oh. wine for the first <laughs> time in our podcast. This is amazing, <laughs> uh, and I hope you enjoyed this this no, no. experience. Love it, love it. I, uh, All right, I felt at home. Thank you. No, thank you so much. And you guys at home, if you want some wine, you know the guy. He's right here. Arta Wines. Uh, that's the name of my company. Yeah, we'll put it up here somewhere. We'll, the <laughs> yeah. editing yeah, will be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. All right, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you.